0: The following Dharma Talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground.
1: Great. So we've been digging in now for a couple of weeks the Buddha's 16 instructions on mindfulness of breathing. One of the most complete, down-to-earth, I mean, taking us all the way to awakening, but really accessible Set of teachings. The Buddha had many different maps that he used over his 45 years of teaching to talk about how we can train our mind from, you know, basically from superficiality and distractedness and reactivity. That's our ordinary mind, what the Buddha would call it a, a worldly mind, but that's you and me most of the time, right? Training our mind so that we become wiser and kinder and more grounded in the reality of the moment, less in our bubbles. Our bubbles that arise out of our conditioning, cultural conditioning, individual conditioning. We live in bubbles almost all the time. And those bubbles are really mostly held together by the force of greed and aversion. You know, what we're afraid of, what we want for ourselves, that's what holds our bubbles together. And then... Part of what holds the bubble together is this neurotic sense that I'm dependent. There's a me who's dependent on the bubble. So we need to find another way. And so the 16 instructions that we've been working with, it's one of these other ways. Training the mind to go in a different direction. And the first thing, and in some ways the hardest thing is to put a little <laughs> at least a little dent in the deep habit of being absorbed in our bubbles. And we don't just have one bubble. Like you might have the bubble of not being good enough. And then you might have another bubble where you think you are better than everyone else. And then you could have a third bubble that I'm about the same as everybody else. And any number of other kind of bubbles that we, you know, these people matter, these other people don't matter. So we have all kinds of bubbles, fixed views that we inhabit. And one basic training, and there's different versions of this basic training, I mentioned it in the guided Siddha, secluding the mind, where we're really using a mental training, a heart training, to drop the mind's fixation. And the whole path of the Buddha, it's about abandoning, relinquishing, dropping, letting go. But the way we let go isn't by letting go. It's strange to say this, but we let go by picking something up. And I often, you know, we know this, those of you especially who've raised young children. But when they're playing with something they shouldn't be playing with, sure, you could grab it and take it away from the kid, but that could be problematic in the long run and in the short run. But a skillful parent often picks up a a very appropriate toy and says, honey, (laughs) interested in that? I don't have kids, but I do have a cat. So it's like, (laughs) likes the side of the couch, but we get really nice scratch posts for a cat and we put it right next to the side of the couch. Even better, right? This is even better than the couch, right? And it is better, and so the cat prefers that. And then it takes its attention away from the side of the couch. And this is what we're doing. Now it isn't so easy because breathing in may not seem like an interesting object. But because we're inspired by the practice, we're willing to check it out by seeing if I can actually train my attention to be interested for just that whatever it is, seven seconds or so, as I'm breathing in. Can I train my attention to be with that? Now other, you know, spiritual trainings, you might use a mantra or prayer or visualization. So there are different ways that we can activate this seclusion, this dropping the world using a meditative object and the attention to a meditative object to put everything else down. But it doesn't really work for you to keep scolding yourself. Put down the world. Stop thinking about that. Don't worry. Don't plan. Don't do that. You know, that just drives us nuts. But we can persistently, okay, honey, how about just feeling this breath and just like a little game, just sustain your attention through one in-breath. Okay, how about just through one out-breath? And after a few of those, it starts to feel good. It's not the breath that makes it feel good. It's the not doing what the mind would otherwise be doing that feels good that you need, initially, we need the exclusive meditation object to begin to feel that wholesome, good feeling of seclusion. The mind is retreating, or the mind is experiencing the mind when it's not being pushed around by its fears, its hopes, its dreams, its this and its that's. You know, whatever else the mind is normally thinking about. Because we're bringing a full attention to this ordinary object, feeling the physicality of breathing in, feeling the physicality of breathing out, because that attention is so full, everything else gets dropped. It's a trick in a way. Just like you trick the baby by saying, hey, play with this rubber duck, right? And the kid picks it up and squeezes it and likes the sound and is wrapped. It's like really there with it and then you take away the other object. In the same way, we can train the mind to put down everything that it would normally be relating to with greed and aversion and the tension that comes with that greed and aversion. And because the mind is now secluded from being governed by greed and aversion, it starts to feel good. And that builds the momentum. So when you can move from... Like I mentioned the last two weeks, if you weren't here, the way the Buddha gives these first two instructions is first you just notice the ordinary, more long breath in and out. But as the whole body-mind system, heart system, begins to settle, the breath becomes, it reflects the settledness by becoming more subtle, shorter. It becomes very delicate, the in and out breath. It can almost seem like it disappears sometimes. It gets so refined the in and out breath. So that's the first two instructions. Be with the physicality of the in and out breath exclusively. Train your mind to be interested. It's not about tensing with like a tense focus because that won't work. It has to be this more relaxed interest. Like if we were listening to an interesting sound of a wild animal at night, it's kind of dusk, we'd get very still, very relaxed, so to support the clarity of the hearing. Oh, what was that? You know, we just sort of like really let everything else go and just listen. It's that kind of refined attention to the in and out breath that settles the whole system down. And and the neat thing about the breath as a meditation object is it gets more refined as the body-mind settles. Then the third instruction, one trains oneself breathing in, experiencing the whole body. One trains oneself, this is where the Buddha actually uses that phrase, one trains oneself, one trains oneself breathing out, experiencing the whole body. So because now the mind is secluded from relating with greed and aversion to some degree, then it can start to broaden, widen, deepen, the field of awareness to include the whole body. So it's almost like you're sensing awareness spreading, consciousness spreading, including every cell, every corner, places where we normally don't feel, places we don't want to feel because it's contracted or unpleasant. We're realizing that the totality of the body can be met with love and awareness. And so you just keep training with that third instruction, experiencing the whole body as you breathe in, experiencing the whole body, and really that sense of awareness spreading and including more and more. Until you're, I mean, it's basically the mind and body are coming into this integrated, harmonious, healed way of being together mind and body, not at war, not afraid, right? And then when there is, when we start to get close to the, where the mind, the heart is willing to be sensitive to the whole body as you're breathing in and breathing out, there will be that very natural, unavoidable beginnings of calm, right? That's what that harmonizing or that integration or that healing of the mind and body feels like. It feels calm or settled. So then notice that. And again, it's the same sense of it spreading and filling. and So the whole body eventually has a sense of being settled and calm, breathing in, sensing the calm spreading. Breathing out, sensing the calm in the body spreading. Right? So that. Now, each of these trainings, the first two, where we're using the breath as an exclusive object, first an ordinary, longer breath. Eventually, as there's more of that seclusion, the breath gets more and more refined. And the mind gets really um, sort of still just with that exclusive object that refined, exclusive object. Then the Buddha recommends we start training, filling the whole body. So the exclusive attention to the breath is really just the first two out of 16 instructions. Then the physicality of breathing, in a sense, is there, but in the periphery, it's not the forefront, it's not the main meditation object. right? Because the third instruction, the main meditation object is the totality of the whole body. And then the fourth instruction, it's the calm spreading through the whole body. That's actually what we're keeping in mind. The third instruction, we're keeping in mind the feeling of the whole body. And the fourth instruction, we're keeping in mind the calm spreading through the whole body. So the first two instructions, like if you're using the tip of your nostrils, and some of you use more the ribcage, some of you more the movement in the abdomen, or just generally, some people just feel this part of the body as when you're doing the first two. Then it's really the exclusive attention to the physicality, the actual experience of sensation in and out, right? But then let that go to the periphery more and then whole body is what's in the forefront. And the training, like the interest, what we're interested in, the mind's interested in, is the whole body. And then with the fourth instruction, is the calm in the whole body, spreading through the whole body. And then just getting a little ahead of ourselves for the coming weeks, next comes joy, and then a more resonant ease. So joy is more the bright, the light that the mind experiences because of the healing, and the unification, the gathering of the mind's energies. And then ease, sukha, is the Pali word. It's a more settled, contented happiness in the heart, releasing of that anxious heart. Ah, oh, this was right. So that's number five and number six instruction. And they really come in sets of four. So there's 16 instructions the first four are mostly about the healing of the mind and body and really learning the, ha- the happiness, you could say, of seclusion. And that blossoms as a profound sense of calm. Like awareness is really intimate with the mind and body. It's not in a, a bubble. It's really using embodiment to come into the moment. And then the next three sets of four instructions to make a total of 16 then are just studying the mind, basically. Because we have this foundation of having healed the reality of embodiment, this is sort of the grossest, most foundational level of our reality, like, honey, there's a body here. And the body is sort of sino- synonymous with our relationship with what we generally call external reality, like relationships with other people and relationships with objects. Sorry, clock. Right? Like we're in relationship with this embodied world. We're coming into that. We're not because we have to. We have to avoid this great shadow and spiritual religious practice of. You know, what I jokingly call, get me the hell out of here, because life is a mess. So it's a sort of a, a um, what's the word? There's a psych- psychological word about uh, disassociation. It's like, don't want to be here. So we use an idea of spiritual attainment or even a, an idea of love, and we fixate on that idea, that spiritual idea, so we don't have to inhabit the present moment, which means being in our body and being in relationship through the sensitivity of the body with everything around us, our wider world, our communities, we're not showing up because we're afraid, it feels yucky, we don't know how, so we inhabit our bubbles, fixations on ideas. So this is why the first set of four instructions are called tetrads these each of these four groupings They're really about the spiritual path and the first and most important part of the spiritual path is coming into the reality of the body the reality of embodiment Now the nice thing about this these four trainings is we can do it all day long like when you, when you notice you're in a bubble, afraid, fixated on what you want, then you could just use the exclusive attention to the breath to sort of break, pop that bubble, because you have the mind knows an alternative. I can connect to one in-breath and sustain attention, and then from one out-breath sustain attention. And if I do that a few times, I pop that bubble, Because I can't be fully with an in or an out breath and in my bubble. And that way I'm not neurotically trying to get myself out of the bubble, which doesn't work. That just makes another bubble. I'm now in the bubble of being a person who doesn't want to be in that bubble. (laughs) So it doesn't work to directly try to get yourself out of bubbles. And those of us who have dealt with addiction, which is all of us, you know, and if you don't know you've been dealing with addictions, you're still... A beginner. (laughs) Because really, like I I know some of you are formally doing 12-step work or other sort of recovery trainings, but the whole path, the Buddhist path, is like addiction to wrong view, addiction to self-centeredness, one version of that or another, right? And all the implications to that. And we learn this with addictive patterns that, we could see very clearly we can be in that bubble very much I'm the person who wants to stop having that addiction right? but it doesn't really stop the addiction we have to find uh, sort of an, uh, another way that's healing we have to kind of grow another way that's healing an embodied way that's healing being against our addiction isn't enough it's totally it's going to happen it's not necessarily bad But we have to start building a life that's integrated, that's real, and that's satisfying in a more grounded way. Because we go to addictive patterns to feel alive. So, hating our addiction, there's not enough life in hating our addiction, right? So, we won't break the addiction. We actually have to slowly, gradually usually often in community, start building a meaningful life. And that's really what we mean by embodiment. So you pop the bubble and then you spread into, right, You spread the awareness into the present moment by feeling your whole body, the third instruction. And you realize, that feels pretty good because at least I'm not running, at least I'm not wasting my psychic energy and being in denial. So it's not like a panacea being embodied. Nothing really... Oh, thanks, Tom. (laughs) Nothing really changes being embodied, but what changes or what uh, is interrupted is all the wasted energy of being in denial, holding or fixing on our bubbles. So it starts to feel good because we're not psychically working against ourselves hiding, running. We start to feel like we belong and that's that feeling of calm, that the mind can be here. Awareness can be here. And awareness is both the wisdom and the kindness or compassion. So just play with it during the day, little moments where you use the exclusive attention to pop a bubble, then spreading the awareness, having really like, including the totality of the moment. And then here's the important piece. Really feel the healing, the calm, the rightness of that inclusive, not exclusive, that inclusive awareness in the moment. So that you're deepening the value. This is the path. You want the mind needs to get that deeply ingrained. The path is popping the fixed view, by the use of an exclusive, like coming into the breath, coming back to the breath. Remember, it could be any number of objects, but I'm always going to be talking about the breath because we're using this particular set of instructions from the Buddha. But there are other ways to pop the bubble, right? Using a loving-kindness phrase is just one example. Or going directly to the whole body. But let's just talk about it because there's reasons to use the more specific sensations of the breath in and out because you can't cheat when you have a specific object. You can pretend you're with the whole body and still be reacting. But when you have to actually feel the beginning of an in-breath and sustain it to the very end of that in-breath, it really requires the fullness of your attention. So you've really got to drop everything else because you can't be aware of why you want to get even with that person or why you think that person doesn't love you when you're totally with your tracking the in-breath and the out-breath without any gaps, without any wavering. You really have to drop everything. And so that, and then whole body. Well, let me just mention, so ordinary breath to a little bit more refined breath. That's your barometer for having done enough of those specific exclusive attention to the in and and out breath that the breath, the roughness or grossness of the breath goes from ordinary breathing to more and more refined, shorter breath. Then you know that you're beginning that sort of healing, the healing of embodiment then start to spread, and then notice the calming and healing of that, that inclusive embodied awareness. So that's our homework for the next week. And then we'll very quickly be moving to the next set of four instructions. And Remember, you can find all 16 instructions and a lot of talks and articles on this subject, Mindfulness of Breathing. Um, If you're on the weekly email list and you can sign up under the bulletin board, there's a sheet of paper. Go online on our website. There's a place you can sign up online. You'll get one email from us a week. And Gabe Keller-Flores, our office manager, is putting the link right next to these weekly practice group on our weekly email. You'll see the link to our web page with all the instructions and guidance and other background articles on mindfulness of breathing and so you can dig in, including just the one sheet that has all 16 instructions, your cheat sheet you can have next to your bed. I had a conversation with one of our leaders last week, and it was really helpful for me just about using this discussion time that we have often in our weekly practice groups as a way of developing this more broad, inclusive awareness of community. So, Because a lot of times... You know, when we have Q&A time or discussion time, we just sort of fall into our habits, like, I'm not going to talk. That may be one of some of your habits, or I'm going to talk. I have something to say. But we can also train the mind, like breathing in, there's a community here. And this community sort of is expressing everything that's been emotion, (laughs) Through the years, through the decades, through history, all the trauma, all the oppression, injustice, all the rightness in our, you know, larger community, the things we've gotten relatively right, and all the horrors and injustice in our it's all right here in this room. And so as we one of the reasons we sort of at the beginning we were thinking of having the altar at one end when we first were renovating. And we thought, like, well, one of the nice things about having this orientation is we can see each other a little better. So then when we're having these kinds of discussions, there's just a way of feeling into the whole room. And if you're someone who never speaks up, it's really good to kind of feel into that. Why? What would it be like to kind of see if there's actually something I need to say for my own practice or a question that's come to mind? And if you're someone who often speaks up it's like just what does that impulse to say something feel like when I recognize the entirety of the room? So just keep that in mind now. And then the other part of the etiquette is we ask people to stay to the end as a way of respecting the community discussion time. Not to feel like, oh the talk's over, I can leave. Um, So just to make that commitment to stay to the end of the program to respect this community time. So we have a not quite 15 minutes, but it would be nice to hear from a few folks. We do record on Sunday mornings. Remember to point the mic right at your mouth like this so that we can all hear you. And if you want, you can say your first name for us too. Anybody want to start off? Yeah, please.
0: Hi, um, my name's Ruth. Um, I have two questions. The f- The first is um, when you're talking about the breath, i found and I'm not sure if it's because I'm, if I'm doing it correctly, that my breathing feels like it gets deeper. It doesn't get shorter as I kind of work into it and that it feels good. But I also am acknowledging that there's effort there. So trying to balance being mindfully aware of natural breath, but also the calming that comes when I'm really focused on breathing in and breathing out, so I'm not really sure what the question is there, but it's kind of like a question-comment. And the second is that, is the idea with the 16 steps that you, you don't progress until you've kind of achieved step one, moved to achieve step two? Because I know sometimes even after um, lots of lots of breathing, just the there's no calm in my body at all. And um, for better or for worse... I just don't sense there's going to be. So is it just staying at one and two before you actually feel that calm? Yeah, If that makes any sense. Yeah,
1: really good questions. Um, Maybe I'll do the second one first. So we together are going to be learning all 16. So we're going to learn the whole map. And I'd encourage people to keep moving ahead even though we're not completely competent. Because there will be times you'll sit down And you don't need to do the first set of four instructions because once you sit down and settle, you feel some of the joy and ease. It's already present. So you're already in that place of the practice. And the map, the 16 steps, is just the Buddha systematizing sort of the range of clarity that's available in our heart and mind, right? Right? And so, at any place that the mind might find itself, there's a way to further the training, deepening the wisdom and love, right, wherever we might find it. But so that's why we want to learn the whole map. Um, So it's, yeah, people are encouraged to just move ahead, even though we could continue working with that. Because I still work with, you know, I've been practicing for 37 years but I really enjoy and value my training in the first two steps of using the exclusive object. And I do it all the time during the day where I'll just use a couple of clear, specific attention, often at the tip of the nose, and and then the other secondary one, I'll just do belly breathing. And this kind of goes to your first question, Ruth, about um, noticing how the breath seems to get as i bring attention to the breath seems to get longer and deeper and it might be that you know there's a lot of us who have done yogic training and there are a lot of good breathing exercises even outside of the yogic tr- yoga traditions where we learn like how to soothe the uh, nervous bodily mental systems with breathing practices so that's not what we're doing, but it's definitely good to know that stuff, to have a few tricks up our sleeve, how to soothe energetically the body and mind. Really important. So when you sit down, for example, you might notice, especially if you're doing your sit at the end of the day, there's a lot of emotion, and this body-mind thing here, it needs some help. And it, you might even like take a walk ahead of time, take a warm bath, do any number of things, including taking five, ten minutes to do a breathing exercise at the beginning of a set. Just know, though, that you're doing that deep breathing just to do the preliminary work of making it feel safe for me to be present with my experience. And then you'll see that once you do that more conscious, deep, slow, breathing, we call it like in yoga sometimes it's called the deep three-part breathing where you feel successively how the whole abdominal, rib, area of the body sort of moves and it sort of can be a grosser reintegration of mind and body. Yeah, So it can be a step. Often when I'm doing the intro class, for example, I'll invite people just to make it a ritual to take at least a few of those deeper breaths Even before you begin your formal meditation, that's what you're doing. Consciously, taking your time, belly first expands successively until the upper lobes of the lungs, and then exhaling. It's a really good thing. And you can do it in a reclined position as well. Hand on your belly or a little pillow so you feel a little weight so you can feel the different parts better. Um, And it's just like a more visceral Like, Do I trust being in my body? Well, w- are you willing to feel this deeper, slower, complete filling and emptying of the of the lungs? Yeah. Thanks. Would like to go next. Yeah. Please. And then over here. No. no go ahead, Megan. <laughs> okay.
2: Good morning. Um, I um. Was introduced to another strategy from another teacher um, in my recovery work with having related to having an empathic, empathic body and disassociating. Where um, I was introduced to the idea of um, not just feeling and noticing my body, but also consciously choosing to inhabit all of my individual cells.
1: And I'm one want- consciously inhabit
2: inhabiting all of my individual cells, mm. my entire body. And I'm wondering if there's a practice.
1: Well, what what did that mean to you inhabiting the individual cells maybe say a little bit more about that
2: so if if i'm practicing just feeling and noticing my body i can still choose to like disassociate while doing that but if i'm actually choosing to use my conscious mind to inhabit each of my cells so they're they're different practices but i've noticed that for me in my in my recovery work with my, my empathic body that that second practice has been has
1: been different and helpful. Yeah, I mean, the second set of four instructions are it's it's really more on the level of feeling tone, right? And I'm not sure that's what you're pointing to. Like I, st- I'm still not clear what inhabiting the different selves might be are you talking about something that's cells, energetic my cells cells
2: not selves
1: oh cells cells oh yeah no no i think th- yeah yeah i'm sorry <laughs> that's why i didn't get it <laughs> yeah no no i think that's that sounds very much in line like whatever words work for us as we're moving to steps 3 and 4 like uh, that individual cells could be a very useful Phrase to break down any sort of exclusions to because part of that invitation to spread, first, the third instruction is really consciousness or awareness through the whole body and then feeling the healing follows the spread of consciousness as we inhabit all the cells, all the systems, all the corners. Yeah, so feel free to use words and mental images there because remember, the Buddha for steps three and four, he uses the words "one trains oneself." So that means like you're responsible for figuring out how to do this. How do we spread awareness so that it's inhabiting the awareness is ha- inhabiting everything that can be inhabited, so that the healing can spread because of that awareness inhabiting whatever it can ha- inhabit. No, so that that sounds really good using the word cells.
2: I have a question. I wanted you to address awareness of the heart, of the heart. Um, It seems when I'm calm, meditating, breathing in, breathing out, my heart is becoming um, pretty dominant in what I feel. So, you know, I don't want it to stop, but, you know, I'd like it. Perhaps I should be working on calming my heart down,
1: too. Yeah, but when you say heart, you're talking about that visceral, energetic, like you actually feel it as a subtle sensation. Like a beat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's body. That is body, right? So uh, part of what we're learning is to drop our preconceived ideas of body, especially as things settle down the body is this more visceral, energetic, and even emotional quality. right? So absolutely you can, and you might remember as we're doing step three, where we're learning to inhabit the totality of what we call body, we might have to really work, like work in keeping a particular place in mind that for whatever reason, Take some time to learn how to be present and to be kind and not react and to allow it to feel the way that it feels. So there's some time as we breathe in, can I be with this? Can I include this? As we breathe out, can I be with this? Can I include this? Can I relax? Can I trust? So you can even bring some of those phrases out You know, as we're doing it. Yeah, and I think Dave had a hand up over here.
3: There's there's this really delectable moment that I have when I wake up sometimes, and maybe other people do too, where um, the autonomic uh, breathing function is still working, but I'm becoming awake, and I can observe. And it's a very rhythmic and very even and very relaxed and super cool uh effect and so my question is that when we try when we, when we put effort into trying to to observe our breathing uh, are we trying to recreate that feeling <laughs> or are because i because when i start doing this and i've been trying to do this for a long time and i feel like i haven't been successful mainly because well when i first started i'm a i'm a brass player and so this all gets into how your emotions are expressed through your movement of air which is a function of you know your thoughts and also the musculature and, and all of it and so i'm just trying to figure out um if, if that's what I'm trying to do when I, because I, I mean, I can feel, I, I can never, when I attempt to, to, when I attempt to, when I observe my breathing, it never seems to be in a place that I want it to be. It, and do I want to get it in a place or, or I don't know, I'm kind of stuck.
1: So your comment, Dave, is really useful because it reminds us that this is probably, I don't think it's an exaggeration like one of the most frustrating things. Because we're bringing a close and continuous attention to something, and one of the discoveries is is how deep the habit is when we bring a close and continuous attention to something to be controlling this. And those of us who are in intimate relationships with pets or other humans, right, we notice the same thing. Like when I'm paying attention to my partner, how I tend to be controlling right? I tend to have judgment. I tend to be managing. I'm not in a flow situation. And part of it is remembering. Remember the instruction isn't to make an effort with the breath. We're making an effort to be interested in the breath. We don't really, we're not judging the breath. We really want to be interested and to be interested means to not control Because if we're really, truly interested in something, we want to see it as a natural thing. What is the breath as a natural thing? And that's what probably you're picking up when you wake up, is sensing the breath as a natural phenomena, not mirroring the neurotic tendencies of a mind, right? It's just a natural process. It's a little like being in wilderness. We don't know what it is, but when we're really in wilderness, there's something that touches the heart and it's precisely the absence of our neurotic, civilized projections or, you know, yeah, it's not being contaminated by our human, ordinary, civilized mind. And so, by emphasizing that purity of interest, now I'm not saying it's easy, it is the most difficult thing. So one, a couple tricks. Some of us have to, not go to a particular object like, you know, some people really benefit from going right to the tip of the nose or have a very specific place in their belly where they feel the rising and falling. But for some of us who are more controlling types, one of them, then I had to start with a more broad body-based. like. And for a time, I really felt my sits bone. So I, I had to get away from my breath. And so I would notice that more free movement to the breath In the periphery, because I had my touching of my sits bones on the cushion, that particular sense contact, that was in my forefront. And because I was looking at that, I wasn't neurotically managing the breath. And then I could learn over decades to be more with the breath without that controlling attention. So remember, this is a creative process. How can I be interested in the breath? so that that natural, wild process of breathing, observing that, I can drop everything else. And there will always be a few people where the specific or exclusive attention to the breath isn't an appropriate object. could be musicians who blow. could also be people who had asthma or still do have some breathing, where there's just a lot of trauma and emotion, emotional content connected with the breath then you want to use like touch points or other or go right to the whole body. And we can talk about that specifically. But we need to leave it here that children are here. This
0: talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.